Hey y'all, you're listening to The Strut Talk, where we face our anxieties with a little boldness. I'm your host, Ozzy, and today we are getting into anxiety. Yes, that's right, anxiety. And it's okay, take a deep breath. I know that might be a little bit scary, but I promise you this is going to be a safe space to explore and have a healthy conversation about what it can look like, how it can materialize, and five tips that maybe could help you as they've helped me. I want to acknowledge that the way anxiety materializes in any of our lives and how we choose to handle it is very personal. So this episode is in no way to shame anyone or to make people think that a certain approach is better than another. But my goal for sure is that anyone who's listening to this is going to walk away not feeling alone. So I hope that includes YouTube friend. I do want to give a trigger warning because I do talk about the negative ways that I've experienced anxiety as well, which has included thoughts around hard topics like afterlife. So if that might be something that's a little triggering for you, I do invite you to pause and, you know, come back to the next episode and come back to something that's a little bit more easy and joyous. But if you feel comfortable, I invite you to come along with me. Feel free to join in and share your thoughts about how you deal with anxiety or what tips you might want to share with others by emailing me at thestruttalk at gmail.com. But for now, let's go ahead and spiral and see where it takes us because maybe it's not as scary as we think. Hello, y'all. Welcome back to the first episode of 2023 of the Strut Talk podcast. Yay. Excited to be back. And I hope you are well. I hope that the new year has been treating you good so far and that you are thriving and finding joy in each day. I know I've been trying to do the same. Um, And, you know, I think sometimes it works. And there's some other days where I'm like, I'm struggling a little bit. But Today feels like a good day and I'm excited to be back on the mic and excited to be sharing and chatting with y'all again. So while I was taking my break and trying to think of what episodes to come back to season one with, one of the things that came up to me was why have I not given y'all the origin episode of the podcast? Question marks. Question marks everywhere. Maybe because it's something that I didn't necessarily want to talk too much about. Maybe it's something that feels a little bit more personal. But then I remembered, girl, I'm out here spilling the beans on my love life. So <laughs> what difference does it make if I come on here and talk about anxiety too? What What's the difference? So I decided that, you know, I would come back and start this latter half of season one with the thing that got me into podcasting. And that's anxiety. I feel like it's something that a lot of people can relate to, but it's also something that has become really ever more present in my life. Something I also felt a lot of shame around and fear around. I didn't think I was going to talk about anxiety, but then it felt right to just kind of open up this second half of the season and anchor the babes, anchor the podcast, anchor where we're at. So needless to say, the anxiety source of the episode is I'm anxious I will live with extreme inhibiting anxiety all of my life. Now to get us grounded, let's just talk about, you know, how anxiety shows up. Because I think it's not always quite clear what that looks like. When COVID comes around, as everyone else has experienced, things significantly changed for me. 
and I became so much more aware of anxiety. I became so much more aware of the fact that nothing in this life is stable, no matter how how much you try to make things feel secure and feel right, which is why it's important to find security within yourself. But I just didn't have that at the time when COVID hit. So once that whole whole shift in life changed for all of us, I found myself really fearful of just living. Oh my gosh, why are they gonna honk right as I'm recording? Okay. I found that I had this whole fear of living and I was so afraid of the unknown. And I was so terrified at the thought that life could just shift so easily. People were dying so quickly, you know, then at the time too, if we can just go, are you done? Okay. Okay. Thank you. We can just go back to what that was looking like. The sky was red from all of the fires that were happening. The, the news, the type of news you were getting every day was crazy. Amidst the racial, racial reckonings, amidst, I actually hate saying that because I'm like, ugh, who is honking? How many times do you have to lock your car door? I do the same thing. I'm not gonna say racial reckonings because again, for those of us who experience stuff, like it's not, I wasn't reckoning with anything. I was, this has been the case. So just all the things that were happening in regards to race in this country, again, it was just an intense period. It was an intense time. And mind you, I'm still in law school and still trying to show up and do my work and get used to being in Zoom land. But every day, every day to give y'all like some serious, like actual, tangible examples of how it was showing up for me every day i was waking up and i would look around and i'm like oh my god okay okay we are still here cool cool okay i think i can start my day now each moment was a question mark and even though life is a question mark each moment in life is already a question mark and we know this like we know things can change so quickly that was like Really, that whole time period was really, really about facing mortality in a way that I had never faced it before. So I would wake up each day like, okay, cool. We're still on this earth. The, the earth is still spinning. I would have trouble sleeping. I couldn't sleep. I was damn near an insomniac because every time that I went to sleep, as soon as I felt myself like drifting off into sleep, I would jump up because I was like, you're you're about to die. Literally one time I was drifting away to sleep. And I, as I realized I was drifting away, I threw back my covers, jumped up on my bed, jumped down to the ground. I was like, no, like I can't, I can't sleep because I feel like my spirit is gonna leave me. So I wasn't sleeping. I was trying to eat and be consistent in eating because obviously I wasn't sleeping. So I was like, I can't be down on both, but I was having heart palpitations. I was having overwhelming waves where sometimes I could just couldn't breathe. My heart felt like it was racing. It was skipping beats. It almost felt like. Then I would like get lightheaded and have to sit down. I would be doing simple things like watching TV or out on a walk. One time it happened to me when I was on a date and I was talking with this guy and it was really cool. We were talking about nothing that felt like it could have triggered me at that time. But then all of a sudden my heart starts racing. My head gets lightheaded. I can't breathe. I had this thing too where I was like constantly like plugging, like trying to see if I could breathe through my um, each nostril because I was so afraid of catching COVID too. So I was trying to make sure I could breathe through both of my nostrils. And then at some point when they would have those, I would have those ways of anxiety attacks. I would start being like, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I have COVID, oh my God, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die. So on this day, I had to go to the bathroom to calm myself down, but you know, couldn't share with him that I was like 
tripping. I was tripping. And that's not to say that when people have anxiety attacks that they are like, you know, a trip. That's how I'm going to describe it for myself because that's genuinely what I felt. It was just an overwhelming experience of just having no control of my mind, my body, my spirit. In one other case, I was hanging out with a friend at the time and I always thought that when I hung out with friends, like I was safe, I felt okay. But no, like literally the, the wave happened as well. So we had to do many things to kind of help me get back to a state of orientation. We, we took a walk and it was freezing outside, that didn't help me. We tried to get me to breathe and then we were like, let's go get food and we got food, got back to her place and I couldn't even eat couldn't even eat and so I had to just get up and go lie down on her bedroom floor and call my mom and have my mom pray over me because I just genuinely felt as if I was about to die as if I had no control over myself over my body that whole time period where these attacks would come at any point in the day I would have like two to three panic attacks a day wasn't sleeping and then on top of that just thinking I was so certain that everything that we were gonna die and you know we might still all die but at the time, that was just an intense, intense belief that it's all coming to an end. I had no way of knowing what exactly were my triggers. I had no way of doing, knowing what it was so I could kind of avoid it or like talk myself through it or prepare myself for things that might have been triggering for me. Nothing. It was just every day questioning what the hell was going on. And that pushed me to go to therapy. And therapy was definitely helpful. Therapy was great. I enjoyed it. Um, but more so because I really love my therapist. But it also inspired the podcast because in realizing how intense anxiety could get for me, I realized that a big part of that is the way that I choose to engage with things that bring me a lot of fear is to avoid things and avoid the topic, avoid the conversation, avoid the event, avoid the person, avoid the feeling. So what inspired the podcast was that relationship I had to fear and anxiety um, or how fear can grow into anxiety um, when you're not treating it with the respect that it deserves to be treated with, which is essentially to engage with it and see what the, like assess it. So the podcast is essentially a way for me to assess the things that bring me anxiety. Some of the things, because some things are personal and some things I'm just going to have to keep to myself. But for those things that feel very okay for me to engage with, that's what I was like, I'm going to do on this podcast because I know there are a lot of other people who feel similar. So yeah, that is how anxiety has shown up greatly, especially in these last few years in my life. And you know, one day I was sitting on the couch chilling and I saw this documentary on Netflix called Take Your Pills Xanax. And I was like, hmm, Okay, I know Xanax is tied to anxiety, so I'm just curious. Look, let's see what it's about. And I, I really enjoyed it. I really did enjoy it. Highly recommend. But the documentary essentially presents a balanced and compassionate approach to understanding how and why Xanax has become so commonplace and what it implies about the state of mental health in America, which, by the way, we also know was really shown to us during the COVID times as well. But in the documentary, through a series of interviews with medical professionals, academics, journalists, and most importantly, individuals who've made the decision to use or have used medication to address the way anxiety comes up in their life, um, we get to kind of have a real honest conversation about what it looks like to address something that impacts everyone in different ways. I thought a really powerful grounding line in it was anxiety is a form of energy and it can really be a positive 
think. Now, aside from coming up with this podcast, what about the experiences that I just shared with y'all is positive? Yeah, that's, that's, that's how I felt when I was sitting there. But then it made me think about this book that I have been using as a reference point and which I also talked about in a previous episode on manifestation, The Language of Emotions by Carla McLaren. Thinking about that book and remembering her section on fear and anxiety, which I recently revisited in preparing for this episode, I could see now what they mean by anxiety being a positive thing. The experience of it itself might be extremely overwhelming at times, but I think the the role that it can play in our lives in forcing us to engage with ourselves when we live in a world where we are constantly being asked to disconnect from our, our spirit and plug into a computer, a phone, social media, all things that, you know, in moderation are okay, but in excess, as is the case, I think in most of our lives, okay, let me speak for myself, as is the case in my life, you know, it can be really, really hard to stay rooted and stay connected to yourself. It can be really hard to lean on your natural ability to assess your situations. It can be really hard to treat yourself and give yourself the amount of respect that you deserve in the sense of making sure you're in environments that feel good for yourself, making sure that if something triggers you or something comes up, that you have the ability to resolve that within yourself and engage in what happened for yourself and then create a way or a plan or an approach to move forward. We live in a reality where it's easier for someone else to do the work for you and anxiety is a constant reminder that no, you have to listen to yourself. Carla McLaren says it way better than I can when she shares in her book that this hypervigilant behavior is actually a normal bodily reaction that occurs when we don't cool down or take full advantage of the healing information in our after fear states. And in that sense, when I break it down like that, when I read about it like that, when I can recognize what it's doing, what it's asking of me, I can see how anxiety could be a positive thing. Now, don't get me wrong, because I I understand how hard it is to do all of those things, right? Like said, our society is not really telling us on a on a on a bigger, larger, general level. I feel like our society is not really catered to encouraging us to nurture our relationships with ourselves. In fact, I think that it's almost kind of normalized that people should just be anxious or just work through it, you know? The fact that a lot of people are anxious about something is not enough to make that larger thing change. Instead, it's expected that people should just adapt. For instance, I'm gonna use an example of work because I think a lot, also because I've been watching you and there was a, like a line about now that it's taking place in spoiler alert london there was a line about you know you americans and your obsession with work and i was like that is a fact how much time we spend working how much is expected of us at work across industries like there's not one industry in particular that i'm like thinking about right now across industries i think we are expected to show up and bleed for the job everyone's kind of anxious and it's just kind of like well that's the norm like so what are you complaining about? So that kind of pushes us into like, okay, well, let me instantly try to figure out how to get rid of this anxiety. And 
you know, maybe you might do something that is not totally going to fix the, the issue. We do all of these things that avoid the thing that actually triggered our anxiety and in a sense, do ourselves a disservice because we're not actually getting to observe what this anxiety is trying to tell us. We're just trying to put a bandaid over it and move along or just adapt to it and know it's there and move along. Another thing that I feel like makes it hard is that so often we're taught that anxiety is not a part of us, which makes sense, right? You don't necessarily claim things because you don't want to make that your story. My mom is really good for this. As I shared earlier, I had a situation where I was having a really bad panic attack, anxiety attack when I was with a friend and we did a whole list of things to try to get me to come back, come back to a good baseline, to come back to my body. Um, and nothing was working. So eventually I had to just get up and go lay down on her bedroom floor and call my mom and have my mom pray over me. And in that conversation with my mom, she was very adamant to not claim the anxiety. And she's still adamant to this day, whenever I have anxious attacks and I call her, she'll, I, I will like off chance say, I'm just having, my anxiety is really bad right now. And she'll say, don't call it your anxiety. So I know that when my mom says that, that she's essentially just trying to say that it's not gonna be a part of my life. And while I don't want anxiety to be a big part of my life or a big inhibitor of my life, I think that it's important to recognize that the fact of the matter is anxiety is gonna show up in our lives. And anxiety is really rooted, it's just a manifestation of our own relationship with the emotion of fear, at least how I view it, that's how I view it. So while I don't have to claim it, it's not, it doesn't feel any better to me too to also just kind of like say that it's not a part of me or that, you know, it's something that's unnatural that's happening to me. And, you know, we have to pray it away because it's a problem and it's an issue. And yes, while anxiety does give me a lot of grief, <laughs> a lot of grief, yes, while there was a period of at least two years where I was very sad because I did not want this to be forever. I think in realizing and recognizing what it looks like for me, I have learned how to have a different relationship with it. And I think that's important because not only is it having a different relationship with anxiety, but it's really about having a different relationship with myself, about having to take time to engage and figure out what feels right. And so it's not necessarily that it's my anxiety, but it is arising from my relationship to the world around me and myself and to to suggest otherwise i feel like it's just cheating me because then i'm looking for external things to figure it out you know and i'm always gonna lean on god i love god but i know that a big part that would make me feel better in addressing anxiety and addressing these situations where i am uncomfortable is knowing that i can do it and knowing that i will get myself through it and that can mean having to call people that can mean like having to pray all those things but no matter what at the center of that solution is myself all that to say anxiety is present in my life and it's present in a lot of people's lives and it can sometimes feel super overwhelming and very scary too if you've never had an anxiety attack and then you all of a sudden have one that shit can be wild it can be crazy and matter of fact i know people are experiencing the same because i remember sometime during the covid times during the covid era when we was in the thick of it i had shared on my ig that i was having a good day anxiety was not like overtaking my day that day and the amount of people who shared that they could relate it was crazy there's so many things in this world that we don't talk about but one of my favorite things about being a person and just being a social being, I love 
love love when people can pause and we can realize there's so many things that we can connect on. And unfortunately, I'm sad that we all had to connect on anxiety, you know, because again, it's an intense experience when you're having a bad attack or it can be really debilitating to the point where you're not going out, you're avoiding things. So I hate that that's a thing that so many of us can relate to, but I love that it's also an opportunity for us to have conversations around what works for one of us and what could be possibly work for another person, or just the fact that when you're vulnerable with something that feels very isolated, that can make you feel as if you're weird, because I definitely felt weird for a period of time, and I was definitely very afraid of going outside, of interacting with people, because I just never knew when I was gonna have a really bad anxiety attack and have to like excuse myself and go tend to myself. Then you try to like just keep it to yourself, which can feel so, you could feel so alone, you could feel so alone, and it's, intensifies experience in an unnecessary way. So when I saw that there were so many people who could relate to it and you know, there's this opportunity for us to be more vulnerable and have conversations around it, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna amplify that even more and hop on here and really have an honest conversation about anxiety. But to make this more of a fruitful conversation, I thought that I would share five tips that have helped me engage with the motion of fear and indirectly anxiety. I would love to hear how other people are also finding what tips and tricks have been working for other people when they have anxious moments because I, I'm always looking to try something out, especially when it relates to bettering myself and getting myself through something that can feel really tough sometimes. Let's get into five tips that have helped me engage with the motion of fear and indirectly anxiety. So number one, which I've really, really stepped into and honestly is not a surprise, is being transparent to others and or myself, depending on the situation, that I'm in an anxious state at the moment. So for example, when I was in the thick of really, really feeling anxious every day, I was doing an internship at a job that was really kind of intense as well. It was in dependency law. And if you don't know what dependency law is, essentially it's around kids having to get taken away from their parents or like, you know, the state stepping in and whatnot. Um, so we're dealing with a lot of parents who are like, according to the state, aren't in the best position to take care of their child. So that could look very different from, you know, maybe according to the state again, because these stories are so much more nuanced. Um, maybe the parent is a victim of abuse and the victim of abuse might be seen as not being able to protect their child from abuse or the parent might be using alcohol on a very excessive basis or drugs on an excessive basis or you know drugs that drugs at all so it was intense there was intense clients intense stories and really vulnerable populations so it just intensifies that feeling of the world is on fire i was having that phone call with a supervising attorney and a client i was hit with a wave of anxiety and I was leading the phone call and it was just really scary because I couldn't pause the phone call to be like, hey guys, I'm having anxiety. Can I actually like not do this? You know, because this was actually a real case. So I didn't want to be seen as unprofessional and I didn't want to make things feel unstable or weird. So I had to push through it. And afterwards, as I was talking with my supervisor, I was just sharing with her, like, I'm really anxious. You know, I'm sorry if I came off weird or if anything didn't connect all the way, um, but I'm, I, I'm just anxious. And fortunately, the call went great. 
But I will always remember that my supervising attorney, maybe also because she was super cool. Like I really liked her. She was really cool. And she really saw me as a whole human being too. But she was really, really supportive of that. And was really like, I think that's really brave of you to share that you were anxious at that moment. And I really appreciated hearing that because sometimes we think that people are going to judge us. But to see someone be like, you're fine. You're okay. Like, Thank you for sharing that. You never you never know. Maybe that person is also having a day where they're anxious. Maybe that person is also really dealing with a lot on their plate and are feeling overwhelmed but don't know how else to um, feel as if they can't say that. By giving yourself permission to honor your truth, you're also encouraging others to honor their truths as well. Off tops, being transparent has always been really helpful. Now, I have been in some situations where some people were not very accepting or like questioned it or I guess more so to say that they kind of felt uncomfortable by how I handled what I need to do for myself in that moment to get my anxiety down I guess you just have to also in being open being able to be open and honest and communicate with someone about the anxiety you're feeling about something you also have to be willing and able to just kind of take it on the chin however someone reacts to that it just makes me feel better to at least share that I'm not fully in my body right now. And so therefore, you're not going to get a fully able Ozzy right now. What you're gonna get is an Ozzy who's trying to manage herself and bring herself back to a good baseline. Even if I can't control how somebody reacts, at least I've been able to convey to that person where I'm at and they can do with that information what they need to do. And so that's been very helpful for me outside of that one time where I'm like, what? But I don't think that person was sharing that with me in a bad way because also at that in that moment, in that experience, I was, how I handled it, how I addressed my anxiety in that moment was leaving that person to go call people who I needed to call. And so understandably so, someone might be confused by like, what just happened? Like, what's going on? Like, you just disappeared, are you okay? You know, so people get to have their own reactions to things as well. And I think it's just also having that understanding that while I'm asking for understanding from somebody else, I also have to be able to give understanding to another person um, to know that like, you know, maybe for someone else that might be seen the perception until I've explained and talked through it might have been like, whoa, what just happened? Anyhow, being transparent, that is my number one tip because I do think more often it's more so appreciated by other people and it's definitely appreciated by myself. Number two is a tip that I got from a friend who I love very dearly. Shout out to you, Inanna. Um, Inanna was my roommate in law school. Um, she was in med school, but she's now a doctor doing big things. And, you know, she was really someone who was integral to me also learning how to manage anxiety. She saw how it impacted me, obviously, because we were roommates during the thick of it. But she shared this with me and I, I loved it so much and it's something I still do to this day. So whenever you're having... Um, an intense wave of anxiety or, you know, a bad attack, just to pause and to put your hand on your heart and the other hand on your stomach and ground yourself and breathe and remind yourself that you're safe and you're okay. I did that 
quite often. And like I said, I still do it because so much can be solved with breathing. And it's not to say that the things that make people anxious, like everything can be solved with just like breathing, but so many things can because breathing is connected to your parasympathetic nervous system, which is the network of nerves that relaxes your body after periods of stress or danger. So if anxiety is connected to the, is it the autonomic? Yeah. <laughs> the nervous system. I know I'm not sounding hella convincing, but just, just come with me. Just come with me down this road. If anxiety is connected to that part of your body that's like in fight or flight, we're in danger, stress levels are high, your body's kicked into like, girl, we need to fight, we need to fly, we need to do something. Then breathing is connected to that part of your body that allows you to restore calm. And so there is an actual physiological explanation behind just breathing. You allow your body to kind of come back to itself. You allow your body to rest almost, you know, like you allow your body to assess that, okay, I'm not in danger anymore. I'm okay. I'm all right. And then of course, having the connection to your heart and stomach, the comfort that comes with that, doing something very gentle to like, to not make you feel alone and to know that that's you doing that for yourself is really, really sweet. Number three is having a set small support system who is intimately aware of your relationship with anxiety and who can help anchor you back down. I think this is probably the thing that we all naturally do. Or actually, maybe not, maybe not, because not everyone is gonna feel comfortable reaching out and telling someone like, hey, I'm really anxious, can you talk to me for a little bit? But I feel very fortunate that, you know, I'm able, I've been able to gather a small circle of people who I, have shared everything about my anxiety with to them. Um, so, you know, people like my mom, my best friend, um, my sister are my key people who I instantly go to whenever I'm feeling anxious and being able to just literally say I'm feeling anxious and they already know what that looks like for me and for them to kind of be like, it's okay. All right. Like, let's, let's, let's chill. You're okay. You're good. You know, what's, what's going on? Like, it's okay. That's fine. You know, um, having, someone else there to kind of just remind you that you're okay is great. It's great. Um, and it also, I think, cause like I said earlier, you, this is also about learning how to have a relationship with yourself, but what this plays into is learning, is learning how to ask for and being willing to receive help. Um, we live in like a capitalist world where everyone's very individualist, but this is a moment to, to be vulnerable and to also receive the love that comes with just being vulnerable and to be able to rely on your community because at the end of the day, yes, our relationship to ourselves is very important, but we are playing a part in a community. And it's the love that I have for myself also includes being able to tell someone that I need help in this moment. And that is what that small support system does for me. While I have a great amount of friends and amazing relationships, I can't always share every single detail about how anxiety has shown up for me to someone, or I'm not gonna call every single person to be like, okay, I'm having this, can you help me? Like, can you just talk to me for a little bit? And it's not to say that they wouldn't do that, but it's just like easy when you have a list of people who know things about you already, who are just like instantly like, yes, okay, let's let's walk through this. And of course, having more than one person is great because if someone is unavailable, then you have another person that you can rely on. Um, and this is not to say that they're going to fix all your problems, fix all your issues, fix you in that anxious state at that moment, but just to let you know that you're not alone and to kind of help you with reminders of like, you're okay. So that in conjunction with a lot of the other things that I do is 
always, always, always helpful because sometimes in my brain, things can kind of like grow into something that's really not. And then being able to speak it out loud and then to another person who can tell me like, no sis, it's okay. That's not how things are looking. It's like, oh, okay, thank you. Thank you. But that kind of leads into the fourth tip, vocalizing what you're anxious about. So I'm gonna say it here. I'm gonna say it cause I'm not ashamed of this, but I talk to myself, um, especially when I'm feeling anxious. I talk myself through what I'm feeling. And also, like I said, I also talk to people, but vocalizing what's going on and is so important because it helps kind of figure out and identify what's making you anxious. And in some cases, it's helpful because then I can, like I said earlier, I can say it to someone else and they can help me realize that I've made it bigger in my head than it really is. And so I'm more intimidated by that, that magnified thing. And on the flip, it can also just help me realize, as said, like, okay, this is what I'm anxious about. This is what the, that fear, what fear it's rooted in. This is the solution I can kind of work through to get through that. Um, so maybe I'm not obviously going to be not afraid of the thing right away, but I can start to kind of recognize when that anxiety arises, it's connected to this fear and this fear, this is how I'm working to address that fear. So I feel like vocalization is a very helpful way to learn how to let it go. And lastly, my fifth tip, I think is the most obvious one, to get outside and or move. I've been really, really, really enjoying this this last few weeks, especially with the sun being out again, with the weather being right again, you know. I've just been taking nice walks, just to get myself outside, to feel the sun on my skin, to remember that there is life to be lived, there's beauty in this world, there is so much more going on outside of my head. And so to, it really helps to get me back engaged with the world in not necessarily our society, but the world, the natural world, the, the trees, the flowers, the, the creatures, other living creatures on this planet. It just helps remind me that I'm a part of something bigger than myself because I often feel like a lot of the anxiety is, you just are really in your head. It's like having a really bad high. <laughs> He's really in your head and everything feels like it's about you. And typically once I'm out of my head, I'm like, I feel actually less anxious because I'm like, oh, okay, like I'm okay. Like I really am okay. Then you recognize or you see that the world is still moving. Everything's still going on some ends that can be kind of scary. Cause you know, no matter what happens, good or bad, the world is still going to go. But I don't know. It's like just a reminder that Things are okay. Like things are not perfect, but things are okay. And I'm okay. Um, even sometimes when I'm having an anxious state, you know, I call when I call someone, I remember like, oh my gosh, hearing the other person pick up the line and talk to me and we have a great conversation. I remember like, I have people out here in this world who love me. And that's kind of how I feel when I take a walk is like, I have a world out here to still engage with. I still have life to, to see and explore. You know, there's still so much more ahead. Um, and I don't want to be stuck in this one moment or replaying the same cycle or going into a loop with anxiety over some topic X, Y, Z, whatever the case is. So it's just even more encouragement to like, you know, address whatever's kind of bringing that up, but also to learn how to like let things go. So kind of like massage it out of your body, um, by just moving your body, getting physical, getting out of your head. Um, yeah. So, you know. Those are just like five little tips. And I feel like those are really cool because they're 
not really grand. They're so basic. It's like, there's nothing exciting or different. People are probably doing some variation of it because whether we know it or not, I think some of these things are just like natural reaction. I just wanted to share it, amplify those tips because they have been so helpful for me. And even though I know it's not gonna solve anxiety, it's definitely helped move me along because I'm not in the same place that I was at when I was going through crazy things, where I was not sleeping, y'all, where I was thinking I was dying when I was going to bed, like, you know, like, it was just intense. So I wanted to share those because I'm hoping that it'll be good for somebody else as well. But ultimately, everyone is different. I really love what was said in the documentary, um, which is, what anxiety tells us is that our body is one. Our body and our mind are in service of each other. And I felt like that was so powerful and it just reminded me that we have a duty to ourselves to ensure that both of those things, both of those aspects of ourselves are aligned. And while it's super hard to do that in a world where things have changed greatly, um, and you know, we are adaptive beings, people are very adaptive. So it's easy to kind of adapt to the norm that's set. It's normalized that everyone's just functioning with a high state of anxiety, which is like not okay because our bodies deserve to rest. Even though it's hard to do that, I think that we still can, we still deserve to take the steps each day. You know, we still owe it to ourselves to take those steps each day or do those things each day that help bring us back to our bodies and help keep those things in alignment with one another because we want longevity. We want long life. We want well life. We want health. We want prosperity. And the only way to prosper is to be here to prosper, right? You know, it's not just doing the work, but it's also being able to step into the work at your fullest self, in your wellest self, and you're in a great place. And simply as a human being, I deserve to feel good. I deserve to feel happy. I deserve to feel balanced. I deserve to feel not in fear all the time and not in a heightened state of anxiety to the point where I can't function or I'm like too overwhelmed to function. And if it's happening to you, I'm not saying it's a bad thing or, you know, like figure it out faster, but I'm just saying you deserve to to figure out what that what that looks like for you to not be in that place. But of course, if you are experiencing debilitating anxiety, I would really, really encourage you to find the support and resources that help set a good healthy baseline for your daily existence. Like said, we deserve ease, friend. We all deserve ease in this life. And there's so many things that are pushing against our ease but we still have the right to figure out what that can look like in a modern world. But I just wanna leave y'all with another quote from this documentary, um, from one of the participants of the documentary, which I think is such a good reminder and so beautiful and so pure and honest and vulnerable. But um, she said that learning how to cope with the world is a journey. The messy work is what allows me to show up here looking all cute, like I have everything handled. And there's going to be times where I have to go back and do more messy work. And I'm okay with that. <sighs> so yes, friend, wishing you a happy, messy work. And I'll see you each and every time on the other side.